All right. Who's got a lot of rain at their house this past week? Yeah, me. Crazy stuff. Watched a river go through my backyard yesterday. I didn't see any boats go by on it, but man, it was a lot of water, a lot of stuff happening. Um, I know there's some folks who've, uh, who've lost because of it, and it's heartbreaking. It was in uh, 2004, on July 28th, that we had a lot of rain here in Ovilla. In fact, that night, there would have been over 12 inches of rain that fell. And of course, when the ground saturated like it has been, or is now, it had been then, 12 inches of rain fell, it doesn't have anywhere to go except into the runoff. And so it finds its way to the creeks, it finds its way to this creek back here that had a very different bridge on that day. And when this creek was swollen beyond its capacity, when debris began to come down and was just pressing down at just a torrential speed, it hit the supports. And the bridge at the time was not able to withstand the pressure that came against it. So about 5 a.m., the bridge collapsed. It was dark. No one knew. Two gentlemen approached on their way to work, 5.30 in the morning, still pouring down rain, dark. And the bridge was not there. Their vehicles went off into the water. Their bodies were found much further downstream within the next two days. Because the bridge could not withstand the pressure, it cost two men their lives. The state rushed in right away. <clears throat> we had uh, state representatives in government high places that were able to help us get the bridge built, rebuilt, and a very substantial bridge. I still get nervous crossing it when the water's high, but I know it's been built solid, secure, engineered for events like that and others. It's critical that a bridge be engineered for the pressure that comes against it, that it not give way when trouble comes its way. God has given us his son Jesus that we might have faith that is stronger than the pressure that comes against us. That it might hold up when debris is coming from upstream against us. That when the pressure just keeps on and keeps on, we keep on and keep on standing and trusting. Because if we give up, if we give in, if we falter, if we are not dauntless in the pursuit and in faith, our collapse could mean tragedy for someone else. We're in the middle of a series we're calling Dauntless. We've been looking at the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, following what was the young man, Daniel, to the place where we're going to see him today, approaching 90 years old. Mm. We've watched Daniel trust God 
and be dauntless in some very difficult times. Some times that it could have cost him his life, that it could have cost him his reputation. And when every time, when Daniel chose to remain dauntless in his convictions, God was always faithful to deliver him and even to elevate him to places of greater service. Turning your Bible today to Daniel chapter 6. Or if you're following in a Bible app, join me there, Daniel chapter 6. I'm using the New King James Version today. If you want to follow me word for word, feel free to use your own version if you'd like. Daniel is in his 90s at this point. He was captured as a young teen from his homeland, a place of faith. It was God's land for him and his people. But they had become idol worshipers. They had kind of drifted far from God. And God allowed a foreign country, a foreign nation, a foreign ruler to come in and capture them. And it was Babylon. And the ruler at the time was Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel was made a slave. He was made a a servant in the king's court. So Daniel's been in Babylon now for some 75 years. It's been a long time. The teen years are just too long ago for Daniel to even remember. He remembers more about being in Babylon than he remembers about not being in Babylon. He knows more about the culture that is there now that has served some pretty wicked and cruel and immoral gods. And this has been his life. He's seen rulers come and rulers go, and God has elevated him to places of administration that are shocking. And Daniel has remained dauntless through it all. He refused to eat the king's food that had been offered to idols, and it was not according to the law of God. He refused to drink the king's wine, and God protected him through all of that. He told Nebuchadnezzar the truth when it was very painful to tell him the truth. He told Belshazzar the truth, and it was going to take his life, Belshazzar, that is, and it did. And God blessed Daniel through the process. We saw last week how Daniel had a, a different leader, and in a wicked orgy, a hand appeared upon the wall and wrote the judgment of God. No one knew how to interpret it, but Daniel did. God blessed Daniel with the ability to interpret mysteries, interpret dreams, but more importantly, to interpret life. It's a pretty big deal to know how to interpret life, to know how what's happening and find God in it. To find where God is in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pain. And this is what God has blessed Daniel with the ability to do. Belshazzar lost his life in the story we saw last week. A new ruler takes his place in Daniel chapter 6. This is where our story begins today. This new king's name is Darius. This is not Darius Rucker for all you country western fans. Daniel chapter 6 verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. Not a word we use today, satraps. It's a word that means something like a representative, something like what we might have here, or we have here in the United States, something like a senator or a congressman, someone who represents an area. And Darius sets 120 of these over the whole kingdom. And the scripture goes on and tells us more about this. It says in verse 2, and over these three governors. So he has this 120. It's like one branch of his government. 
Then he has another where there are three in charge, three governors that are over the 120. And it says, of whom Daniel was one. So over the whole kingdom, there's 120 chosen to rule over. And over the 120, there are three chosen. And Daniel is one of those three. You see, when a new king came into, a, came into power, it was custom to kill the old regime, to just get rid of them all. But Daniel has weathered the storm. Darius has heard the stories. And Daniel gets promoted up into Darius's administration. Whoo. He's one of the top three. And it says that he might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Smart guy. New government plan here in Babylon. Puts into place. Verse 3 says, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm wow daniel a young man out of place in a foreign land blessed by god used by god over and over again a man who's been faithful now in his 90s. And he is up for being not just one of the three, but over the three. Whew. He's been nominated by the king to serve in one of the major administrative branches in the government. Sound familiar to anybody? There's a reward when you are faithful. 90 years old, 75 years serving. There's reward that comes when you have been faithful consistently. When you keep doing the right thing. There's benefit that comes down the road. You might think right now, I'm in my 20s, I'm in my 30s. I'm not seeing results yet. That's all right. You keep being faithful. It's not over yet. You might think, well, I'm in my 40s and I'm in my 50s and I'm still not seeing yet what I thought. I think I'll just kind of give up and just go the way of my friends and just, you know, forget all this God stuff. I've tried it and nothing's happened yet. Yet. For Daniel, 75 years will pass before he'll see some of the things that are about to happen. Oh, some things have happened, but it's about to really get good. You have to keep on serving. You have to keep on being diligent if you want to see the reward that comes with that kind of integrity. That stuff comes in time. When you just keep doing the right thing. When in your marriage you say, I'm just not seeing it all happen yet. You keep doing the right thing over and over and over again. God will show himself faithful. I'm not seeing the results of my job yet. That's okay. You keep having character. You keep choosing integrity. You keep being honest. You keep working hard. You keep serving. You keep trusting God. You keep praying. You do that over and over, and then you do it again and over again. You keep doing it. There's reward that comes with lasting character. And Daniel is seeing the fruit 
of legacy. God's going to bless him with some position and power. But let me assure you this. God's blessing of position and power doesn't always equal to popularity. The blessings of God don't always equate to popularity. They don't always gain you more likes on social media. They don't always equate to more friends and more positive comments. They don't always equate to good headlines. They don't always equate to good stories. Verse 4. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. They don't like this idea. They don't like the idea of Daniel being over them. He's not like them. He follows the one true God. They follow after a lot of gods. He has stayed faithful and consistent, and they're filled with immorality and wickedness. He doesn't play their games. He doesn't go where they go. doesn't do what they do. And he's about to be promoted over them, and they don't like it. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Let's go back into his history. Surely we can find something against Daniel. Surely we can go back into his past social media accounts. Surely we can go back into his, his years in the past. Surely we can go back into his years of training. Surely we can go back into, into his records and find something that he's done that we can charge him with. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. You see what integrity over and over and over again gets you? It gets you legacy. It gets you powerful reputation for doing right. You don't get that overnight. You don't get that in a week. You don't get that in a month. You don't get that in one year. You get that with decades of doing the right thing over and over again. No charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Oh, trust me. They looked. They looked everywhere for something. We've got to stop this Daniel. We cannot have this man ruling over us. We cannot have him in this administration. We cannot have him here. And so they set out to find a way to stop Daniel. Someone come up with something that we can lay against this man. Someone come up with something so we can charge this man. We've got to come up with something. And behind the scenes, boy, they were working it. They were working on a strategy, a very calculated strategy to somehow stop this Daniel and they could find nothing. Verse 5. Then these men said... We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Hmm. Got an idea. Something was being strategized behind the scenes. Wicked men were plotting. They were coming up with a plan, a strategy to stop this Daniel. And they said, you know what? 
The thing he is all about is his God. The thing he's all about is keeping the law of his God. The thing he's all about is serving his God. That'll have to be the place we find something. This will have to be the place that we come up with something to try to catch him, to try to stop him, to bring some charge against him. Now, I'm going to condense a little bit of the story for time's sake today. But in verses 6 through 9, these men come up with something. They come up with a law. They come up with a plan. They say in their closed-door meetings, hey, let's come up with a plan. Let's do this. Let's pass a law that says if anybody prays to a god or asks another king for something besides Darius, yeah, he'll like this, that, that they get thrown to the lion's den instantly. It'll be, it'll be our way of catching him. Because we know what Daniel does. He prays every day. And you know, if we can convince, convince the king to pass this law, we got him. So sure enough, they wrote the law. They brought it to Darius. Hey, oh king, we know you are a great and wise king. I think we should pass a law that no one in the kingdom... Ask another king for anything, or God. But king really is what we mean here. And, and so let's pass this law. And if anyone does, oh, Darius, they should be destroyed. Darius thought, wow, you know, that sounds good. I like that law. I don't want our citizens calling out to other kings, parentheses, or gods. So let's just pass the law. They signed the law, Darius did. 30 days, only 30 days this would be enacted. That's all they needed. That's all they needed to catch Daniel. That's all they needed to put a charge against Daniel. We pick up the passage in verse 10. They're doing their best to destroy Daniel. Verse 10 is where we're gonna spend some time today. What happens in this verse is where some of the greatest application is for us today. Verse 10, it says, Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, you see, Daniel is part of the administration. Daniel knows this law is being tinkered with. He gets rumors of these behind-the-scenes behind closed-door meetings. He gets some, some whispers of it. He knows what's going on. He knows it's going before Darius. And sure enough, Darius signs it. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that the law was passed, that now it was illegal to pray, he, look at it, went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open, toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Mm, let's break this down just a moment here. The first part of the verse. When Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went home. You know, it would have been easy in this moment for Daniel to have thought, all right, oh, this is not what I planned, but 30 days, you know, probably 30 days, I can just, I can just 
skirt by this thing. I don't have to let anybody see me pray. I could just sneak, sneak around on this thing. I don't have to be so upfront. I can go home, close the door, close the window, pray in silent, make sure no one's around, make sure the room's not been bugged. I can just keep this a secret. I can just keep my faith with God a private matter. I don't have to tell people about it. I'll just keep it a secret thing between me and God. And we'll do this thing, but I'm not doing this thing for 30 days. We'll just keep it right here. He could have done that, but he did not. Knowing the writing was signed, knowing the law was passed, knowing the consequences, knowing what it was going to cost him, Daniel stayed dauntless, and it says he went home. He went home not to hide. He went home to pray because that's what he'd been doing for a long time. He went home three times a day. He went to his chamber. He went to his place. And he had an upper room there. You remember, he's administration. He's got a nice place. And Daniel's not hiding the fact that he's a follower of God. Daniel's not hiding the fact that he prays. But boy, this is what the enemy wants to do. Listen to me. The enemy will do his best to intimidate you and silence you. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to make you afraid. He wants to threaten you. He wants to put you back in your seat. He wants to put you down so you can't move. He wants to silence you so you won't speak out. He wants to intimidate you so he'll use all kind of threats against you. That's what he wants. If he can intimidate you, create fear in your heart, most people will just cave in that moment. Most people will just say, all right, I won't do anything. And what the enemy does is if he can't get you through intimidation, he'll get you through false accusation. He'll accuse you of stuff. It's not even true. He'll use your past against you, though it's already been forgiven. Hello? He'll use reminders of your past to keep you beat down, even though that past has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. He'll use that stuff against you to keep keep you replaying the tape, saying things like, who do you think you are? You can't be blessed by God. What do you mean thinking your marriage is going to be resolved? You're crazy. There's no way. You've messed up too much, gone too far. That's not going to happen. What do you mean you have a dream for your life? You're never going to amount to anything. You've messed up far too much in the past, and the enemy is skilled. He is skilled at threatening and accusing. And this would have worked on a lot of people and get the impression that these guys, this was not their first time with these tactics, but this was the first time they'd come up against a man named Daniel. You see, the dauntless refused to be intimidated by threats and false accusation. You could bring your threats against me. You could bring your false accusations against me, but when you stand firm in faith, When you get a word from God, when you get a hold of the promise of God, you don't crater when the enemy threatens. You hold on. You stand up. And you take threats and accusations and eat them for breakfast. Really. You just take all that stuff and say, oh, yeah? 
Bring it. I'm ready. You see, I've got a Savior who took what you're threatening me with, and he's already paid the price for it. Come on. Bring it. Bring your accusations against me. You got some threats? Bring those too. I've got a God bigger than you who can shut you down in a moment. Bring it. And you see, this is a place that God is calling his body, his church to. Yes, there's a time when in our spiritual life we are children and we are growing and we are learning to feed ourselves and we are learning to walk and we're learning to run. But God help us if we as the church don't get to a place where we get past all of that and we start standing strong. We start becoming warriors. We start becoming soldiers who stand up and say, bring it, I'm ready. I got a savior who's paid for it. I got a God who's with me. I'm ready to do business. That's what God's calling us to today. Amen, anybody? Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. And, and the dauntless, those who grab a hold of promises like this, they refuse to be intimidated. They learn to recognize the voice. They learn to hear intimidation and accusation and say, I hear that. I recognize that. You're trying to threaten me. You're trying to make me afraid. I got no place for you in this walk. I'm walking with Christ. You see, the weak hide. The weak run. The weak are easily intimidated and shut down, but not the dauntless. Intimidation is fuel for the fire for them. Threat is juice in the cup for them. False accusation is a steak on the grill. Bring it. I eat that stuff. Passage goes on, or back to our verse 10 at least. I want you to see what happens next in the passage there. Focus on this verse for just a moment. It says, and in his upper room... So Daniel goes back to his house. Three times a day he does this. He's not going there to hide. It says in his upper room, the, the higher room that has a window to it, windows to it, with his windows open toward Jerusalem. This is not one of those just little bitty, you know, circle hole windows lets a little bit of light in. This is windows open so he can see Jerusalem. This is windows open so he can see the promises. This is windows open so he can remember who God says he is. This is windows open for everybody to see. And with that, with the windows open, he kneels down on his knees three times a day and he prays. He's not afraid. He's not afraid for other people to know he follows the one true God. He's not afraid for other people to know that he trusts in his God. He's not afraid for other people to know that he's dependent upon his God. He has make it, he's making it public. This is the God I serve. And with windows open, you don't just see a man praying, you hear a man praying. It's public. It's powerful. It's a public testimony. It's I'm unashamed. I'm unafraid. I'm ready to make my God known. That's what happens when you're dauntless. The dauntless are long past their fear of what other people think about them. You get past all that stuff about image. You get past all that stuff about the, the office talk. You get past all that stuff that's going on on social media. You get past all that stuff. You put God as your focus and you're not worried about what people think anymore. 
You're not timid because of what it could cost you in popularity. Their past being neutral. Their past being politically correct. Their past being spiritually ambivalent and trying to fit in with all the religions. They're past all that. And Daniel's past all of that. He's calling out to his God with the windows wide open. You want to be dauntless in your faith. you got to live windows wide open. You can't practice your faith with the shutters closed. You can't make it this private thing that you do when no one's looking. You, you have to get to the place where it's public for you, where it's real for you, where you live it out. I know what's natural thinking, though. You start thinking, well, I, you know, I got I to gotta play it safe. I got, I got to be careful, you know. I, I can't lose my friend group, and I, I want to be liked by people, and, you know, I, just got, I got to be safe in this whole thing. I got to protect some things here. I, got, I play it safe. Let me tell you a verse from Proverbs 29, 25. Make a note of that. Proverbs 29, 25. You want to hear what's safe? The fear of man brings a snare, a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You want safe? Trust in God and lift him up and live him out. That's safe. You hiding? You covering? You afraid of what other people think? That's the trap. That's the snare. And Daniel had seen it happen over and over again. He said, that's not going to happen to me. I will be dauntless. Back to verse 10. Daniel's opening the windows. Which, let me just park on open windows for just a moment. Open windows. If you're like us at our house... In the morning, I'll get up and, you know what that sound is? It's the blinds going up, you know, the slats. That's what you do. You want to see out. Now, I realize there's a measure of safety in our day. You got to be careful who's looking in. And if you're like us at our house at night, it's, Finally, it goes down. You know what I'm talking about? You can't, the, the slats all go down. At night, you put them down because you don't want people seeing what you're doing in there. You know, you're walking into your kitchen with your shorts on, trying to get some milk at 10 o'clock or something. You're like, I don't be looking in here right now. You know what I'm talking about? Is that just me that does that, right? So, but if you're going to live windows open in your faith, you got to be willing to put it out there. You can't get around people, and the moment the discussion of faith comes up, you can't be the one who's like, I'm not talking about Jesus in this situation. I'm out. Oh, I got to get back to my office and get to work. That's what's tempting to do today, because there's, there's, there's reaction and outcry. Hello? Have you felt that? This is not the day to pull the shutters. This is a day to trust God. Speak out. This is a day to be dauntless. This is a day to make Christ known. If that means opening your windows so people can see what's going on in your life, you got to do that. It's tempting, though, as Christians to think, I don't want people to see the stuff going on in my life. 
Where do you think they're going to see Jesus? They're only going to see Jesus if you got stuff in your life. If you're trying to make it all pretty and presentable, you think that's where Jesus is going to be seen best, you're missing it. He's seen best in your mess. You got you to gotta put your mess out there and say, I'm trusting God to get me out of this mess. Daniel went up into his house. Daniel opened the windows and said, this is a mess. There's a law against doing what I'm doing, but I can't stop. I'm going to seek my God. And he did. Windows wide open. Let's go back to verse 10. The last part of verse 10 says this. He prayed and he gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. You see, three times a day, three times a day every day, three times a day on this day above all days, but three times a day every day, Daniel made it a point to have a worship experience. He had a moment. He had a time set aside where he said, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to open the windows because I want to see the promise. If anybody sees me, great. I'm going to seek my God. I'm going to do it publicly. And if people hear me pray, praise God. If people hear me thanking God, praise God. I'm going to let him take care of what happens next. The dauntless are unafraid to publicly and boldly worship God. To on the job, when the conversation turns about life, the dauntless are not afraid to talk about faith. They're not afraid to talk about God in their life. They don't disguise the matter. They don't try to hide the matter. They don't mind saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, I believe the Bible, and I think it says this. I believe the Bible, and so therefore I do this. They go ahead and put it on out because they're dauntless. They're not foolish. They're wise. They're filled with faith, and they're dauntless. Daniel was unafraid. He was giving thanks. He was giving thanks when a law had been passed that said, stop what you're doing. He was giving thanks when the law was passed, and it was going to mean his life was coming to an end. In the middle of his mess, he was thanking God he was blessed. Man, we're just rhyming today. <laughs> he was unafraid to let people know whether he was at work, Walmart, with friends, on the highway. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, that's, uh, that's an option we have today, too. I know it's popular to kind of hide your faith today, but God's calling his church out to be dauntless. Another way you can make your faith public today is by what Jesus instituted in baptism. Baptism is a way of making your faith public. It's a way of saying to a church and friends and family, I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. My old life has died and Jesus has given me a resurrected life. We baptize right here at Vertical. In fact, we're going to be doing that on November 4th. That's not very far from now. And what we're going to be doing is we'll bring a, a trough up here. We're going to fill it with warm water. And those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and who have not yet made themselves 
public to a church or friends or family or who are at a place in their life where they might have done that as a child, but they say, my life's different now. I did that once because my friends did it, but today I need to do it because I need to do it. I have found a place of faith in Christ. Baptism is a way of public declaration. It's a way of being in front of a body of people and saying, here's what Jesus did. He died and he rose again so that I can die to who I was and live to who I am in him. So I'll just go ahead and tell you now as part of our uh, message. If that's where you are, after this service, come find me. Come tell me. I want to be baptized. I'll celebrate with you. I'll talk with you about it. I'll explain the whole thing. And we'll prepare for that day. That is where you get your confidence as a follower of Jesus. You make it public. It becomes a forever reminder. I belong to Jesus Christ. My life is his. You know, I'm wearing a wedding ring right here, right? I've been married to my wife for a long time. 28 years. It's been awesome. I wear this ring. Not because I'm afraid I'm going to forget that I'm married. But I want other people to know I'm married. You should meet my wife. And funny thing has happened since 1990. My knuckle has gotten bigger. And this thing's not coming off. That's a good thing. Baptism is a picture. It says, this isn't coming off. This is not a temporary thing. This is real for me. I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm about to, I'm about to bust out and show everybody what I believe and what he's done for me. November 4th. But there's another way that you and I can be uh, public. Another way that helps build confidence. You see, when Daniel went home and he prayed, it says that he prayed, but it also said, and he thanked God. He had a worship experience going on. He was worshiping. He was, he was saying, we don't know, but I'm guessing he was singing as well. That there in this place with the windows open, he was not afraid to worship God. He was, he was ready to sing it out, put it on display. Not because he was lining up for American Idol or Babylon Idol, which there was a bunch of. he didn't mind putting it out to a culture that was contrary. I believe in the one true God. If you want to hear me sing about his goodness, come near my window this afternoon. And what an opportunity. When we gather together like this on Sunday mornings, we're not doing this because it's the religious thing to do. We're doing this, as I said earlier, to build up the faith that we have in one another and to testify and to sing and proclaim the goodness of God. I know you might think sometimes, well, I don't want my, the person sitting next to me to hear me sing. If they heard me sing, well, you know. I'm going to tell you what I know. If that person sitting next to you heard you sing and it was way off key, they would say, they love God. They care more about him than they do about me. And they're willing to sing it. 
They're willing to lift their hands up. They're willing to kneel down if they need to. They're willing to be expressive about their worship because God is the biggest thing in their life. And so I'm telling you, there's no place of greater confidence building to get your confidence up in your worship than right here on a Sunday morning. You might think it's in your car on your way to work when no one's listening, but when you get in a room like this where there's almost 200 people and we're all singing like that, that'll do something to your faith. Amen? Amen. So I'm, I'm saying all this for, for my benefit, for Caleb's benefit. Man, when it's time to sing, whoo, don't be thinking. I wonder what they'd be thinking if I started singing. Don't let the fear of man be a trap to your soul. Let the worship of God be bigger than your fears of that person or the other person or the other person. You let him capture your heart and do what you need to. You got the freedom right here. I'm just telling you that as the pastor. You can do that right here. I'm encouraging you. Sing, lift your hands, whatever it might be. Do it in full worship of God. No fear of man. In Verses 11 through 17, what the men strategized happened. Sure enough, Daniel prayed. And boy, if there was anybody under the window listening and watching, it were these men. And sure enough, they caught him. And boy, they ran to the king. Tattletail deluxe. We caught him, we caught him, we caught Daniel. Daniel's praying, Daniel's praying. Everyone's right. So I'm right now, he's over there. And boy, they went and got help. They arrested Daniel. They brought him to Darius. Darius, so heartbroken. He missed what they were doing. He totally missed it. Daniel, I had no idea. I didn't realize this was going to happen. Darius is heartbroken. Daniel's locked up. He's thrown into the lion's den, a cave-like place with a large opening at the front where a stone was rolled in front of the opening. In the back was a hole so that they could feed the lions and pulled them away from the front so they could go in and clean it from time to time. But from this hole in the back of the cave, you could also look in and see what was going on down in there. And Daniel is taken to the lion's den. Verse 19, we pick up the story. It says, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. His sleep went from him. The king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. He can't sleep. This is Daniel. What have I done? He can't sleep. He can't do anything. Musicians aren't going to help him. Watching reruns of The Office aren't going to help him. He's just having to just work it out through the night. He's working it out. He's waiting and he's fasting. Something's happening in Darius. Verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. He's up in the top part of the cave. He's looking down in this hole where they feed the lions. And he comes there in desperation. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God 
whom you serve continually. That's legacy right there. Has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel, what has happened? Are you still there, Daniel? I've been up all night, Daniel. What has happened? You see, sometimes that struggle you're going through is not just about you. In this situation, it wasn't all about Daniel because God's about to do something big in Darius. Mm. If Daniel all the time, it's, oh God, this is terrible for me. I'm in this lion's den on me. I've, done, I've been faithful to you, God. What about me? If that's what he had done through the whole process, he would have missed what's about to happen. But the storm, this trial, these lions, all this accusation, all these threats, this law that's been passed, God was going to use Daniel in it, but Darius was the one who was going to see it happen. God had something planned. When you go through a trial, it's not all about you. Verse 21 and 22, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. He cries out. It's been all night. He's been there with some hungry lions. He says, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him, God. And also, O king, I've done no wrong before you. Darius, I've been faithful. And God has delivered me. I didn't shut the lion's mouths. God did. I did what I was supposed to do. And God did what he was going to do. I stayed faithful. He stayed faithful. He delivered me. God sent an angel. God did something miraculous. God delivered me. You see, the dauntless trust God to deliver them out of what the enemy sends to destroy them. You don't look at what the enemy has plotted against you and crater. You don't give up. You don't give in. Instead, you, you stand up. You say, bring it. You stand up for what God has done. You stand out in the crowd. You stand firm in your conviction. And God delivers. Verse 23, now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded. I want you to watch what happens here. And commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. Get a rope down there. Do something. Get this guy out. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever was found on him. Because he believed in his God. There was not a scratch on him. I used to love to listen to Heather's dad preach a message from this passage and tell the story. And uh, if you know her dad, he's a great storyteller. So he would tell the story about Daniel being there at night and it got dark and God shut the lion's mouths and Daniel's getting tired and he's got some scrolls with him and he, he figures he might as well just relax and looks around. There's nothing soft to put your head on. So he just walks over, kind of nussles up with those lions and just pulls up and uses them like a pillow and gets his scroll out and just start reading and pretty soon Daniel's there and he's just 
Reading between the lines. That's Heather's dad, though. I don't tell punny stuff like that. Verse 24, and the king gave the command, watch what happens to Darius, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, uh uh-oh, and they cast them into the den of lions, uh uh-oh, then their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them, broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Oh, you see, you might try to make this story safe and say, well, those, da- those, those lions weren't hungry. That's what it was. Those lions didn't have any teeth. They were old lions. That's why they didn't hurt Daniel. Uh-uh. You, you read this verse, they had teeth. And they, were, they weren't just hungry. They were hungry. Now, what's fascinating is there's a law in the Old Testament. Stay with me on this. There's a law in the Old Testament that's similar to this that says if you bring an accusation against somebody and it's false, you have to incur the judgment that they would have incurred had the accusation been real. I'm just going to leave that there. Verse 26. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his kingdom shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. You think, wow, Daniel's writing some powerful stuff. No, that's not Daniel. That's Darius. The man who didn't believe God all of a sudden becomes a big believer and a worshiper of God. Your trial that you're going through is not just for you. It's for those who are around you. We wrap up with a last point here. You see, a nation was awakened to God because one man was dauntless. Daniel, willing to be dauntless, unafraid unashamed, willing to open the windows to be seen, to be heard, to worship God. He was dauntless. Please, please, do not believe the lie that your life does not matter. The enemy would have you believe that what's going on in your life has no bearing on anything bigger. It's just you. What will it matter? The enemy would have you think your situation's too small, too difficult, too impossible to ever make a difference because one man, Daniel, was willing to be dauntless an entire nation was changed. The king changed the laws of the land. The king's heart was changed. The whole nation changed because one man was willing to be dauntless. Do not ever believe the lie that what's happening in your marriage, what's happening with your children, what's happening in your job, your faith does not make a difference. Do not believe that lie of the enemy. What you practice in faith, what you believe in promise has powerful ramifications for others around you. It's not about you. So hold on to those truths. 
hold on to those promises. If he's got a storm brewing in your life, get to your room, open the windows, and pray. Thank him for it. Seek him in it. Get back to your job and then go back again. Open the windows, pray, seek him, and thank him for it. Get back to life and then go back again. Three times that day, Daniel did it. He kept on seeking God. He kept on being dauntless. This den of lions was a cave. It was a tomb for most with a door that rolled across the front. Very similar to another tomb we read about in the New Testament where another man who trusted God, Jesus Christ, entered in to face the lions, the lions of death, judgment, sin, and the grave. And they were all there, ready to tear him apart. But this Jesus believed his God. This Jesus trusted his Father, and this God delivered him. Three days later, he came out of that tomb. He was alive. He had been victorious over those lions. They were there to destroy him. What lions are you facing right now? What's out to destroy you? What have others said? What's the enemy plotting? Where is it easy for you to give up and want to give in and fear what is happening out there instead of having faith about what's happening there? Would you believe him this morning over what you see? Would you choose to be dauntless today? Would you choose to make your faith public wherever it might be? Whether it's on your job, on the highway, in your home, in your yard, in your community, at the store, would you say, I'm not going to hide anymore? I'm not going to be fearful anymore. I'm not going to live in the trap anymore. I'm going to be dauntless in my faith. I'm going to proclaim my faith. I'm going to live out my faith. For some of you, it means you need to take the step of believing and being baptized. You're choosing to be dauntless, to make it public, to move forward. For some of you, it might be just public expression of worship. That's difficult for you. But today you're saying, you know, I'm done with that. I'm leaving fear of what other people think behind because these days are perilous days and God is a glorious God. He's worthy to be praised. And I give and I get strength from others in the moment. Would you bow your heads this morning? Wherever God is speaking to you today, would you choose to be truly dauntless? Would you choose to stop hiding? Stop living in the shell? Stop trying to cover. Stop letting pride rule. Stop letting the enemy have his way. Would you choose to grow up in the faith today? Would you choose to get a a faith spine that is strong, that causes you to stand, that causes you to speak up, to speak out, and do what God's called you to do, that causes you to lead in your home, that causes you to pray in your home, that cause you to worship in your home, that cause you to live out your faith on the job, wherever it might be. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, I thank you for the the picture of Daniel, a man with a, a lifetime of faith and trust and a legacy of 
blessing from you. I pray we would step up now to the next level, that we would come alive in our faith, that we would not fear what man could do to us, that we would not fear what man would think of us, but that we would be warriors, soldiers, men, women, students, children of faith who will no longer hide the fact that we follow you. And that given the moment, given the time, we'll speak out. We'll live out. Father, for those who need to even take the step of trusting you for the first time, who need to be baptized and make it public, I pray they'd have great faith today. God, whatever you're doing in us, wherever you're speaking to us, we respond today by saying yes. Yes, I will. I will trust you. I'll praise you. I'll walk with you. I'll follow you because I trust you and no one else. You are our God. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us as we sing today. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.